we don't grow alone. We flourish when we do life together. To flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. Join me for conversations about growth and change as we talk about what it means to flourish and create the community you crave. You're listening to episode 37, Raising Kids with Purpose with Adrian Thompson. I'm your host, Andrea Worley. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Adrian. We met in a Bible study here at our local church, and Adrian has such amazing wisdom to share with you guys. I learn so much from her, and I just, I asked her to come on the podcast a while ago, and she finally accepted my invitation to come on the show, and so I know you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is my episode with Adrian. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I'm excited to have my guest and real life friend, Adrian from Raising Kids with Purpose here. Hello, Adrian. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. So for those listeners that may not be familiar with um, your work or who you are, can you go ahead and introduce yourselves uh, yourself and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? It's funny you said yourselves because sometimes I do feel like multiple people. <laughs> um, but I am a um, married to a wonderful man who loves his family so hard. And my name is Adrian Thompson. Sorry, back up. And we have three boys, nine, seven, and two. And I have been, I worked in church ministry and then I left there to become a full-time stay-at-home mom, but really I've never been a full-time stay-at-home mom. I ran a photography business called Art Photography, which is my initials, Adrienne Kleinman Thompson. And I did family, newborn, all the fun, you know, different types of photography. And then I ended up moving to just high school seniors, which I still do on the side a little bit. And then in October of last year, I started a blog called Raising Kids with Purpose. Because over the past, I guess, three, four years, I started really reading lots of different parenting books and more so research supporting child development and brain development. And I have OCD, so to (laughs) help it get all out of my brain, I felt like writing and helping others in the process going through the same things that I was going to uh, would help. So that's why I started the blog. That's awesome. And you and I met at a Bible study at our church. Um, I went there not knowing anyone and just kind of... I did not know that. Yeah, well, to the Bible study. I mean, obviously, I'd been at the church for a while, but um, I just remember, like, you and I always joke about, like, growth and putting ourselves in positions to yeah. grow, because I, I mean, just for the listeners, I told you, like, I, do, I don't like to do these, like, things, but it's those things that I don't like to do that provide the most growth. Yes, <laughs> this is another one of those like growth opportunities. So I'm glad I went to that Bible study and I was able to meet you and connect with you over the last like year and a half. It's been really fun. Oh yeah. What I remember is we, I don't remember, well, we sat next to each other. So Andrea and Adrian, people are yes. like, and you talking about your journal 
and you've been writing and you carry them in a box. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so me. I just moved too much in between parents and they ended up getting lost. Or I probably would still have them too, but I've been writing since I could write as well. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so I love your work with your blog and raising kids with purpose. Um, I'll put a link to your Instagram, but for people that haven't looked at it, um, I invite the listeners to go look at it because you have a lot of really great just content and really encouraging um, tips on your Instagram and your blog. And so I encourage all the listeners to go um, look at that. One of the things I wanted to highlight, you posted about this um, a while ago, and then you just re-talked about it again uh, last week, is the family meetings. So when you first talked about this um, weeks ago, that is something that my own family and I, we implemented starting to do, because uh, we have older kids, you know, around the same ages as yours, uh, as your oldest. Um, and they really, my kids have really taken to the family meetings. They love them. And um, there was like a couple weeks this summer where we like missed the family meeting and they like said to us at dinner, like, why have we not been having our family meetings? So talk, talk a little bit about family meetings and kind of like the purpose behind them and the why. Well, how, first of all, how I stumbled across family meetings is our two oldest, we're not sure about our two-year-old yet, they're differently wired kids. So they're neurodiverse, which means they uh, have gifted wire, they're gifted learners, and they have some other things going on too. Another term to throw out there is twice exceptional. So because of that, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And there's a lot of high emotions and all these different things. And so I started reading a book. I can't remember what it was called. Um, oh, Emotional Intensity and Gifted Students. And she talked about the family meeting. Since then, I've heard of the family meeting on many parenting books, but I figured, hey, let's try this, give our kids input into discipline, rules, make them have ownership. And what I found over time also, I think a really big key of family meetings is family culture. It's really helped us develop this really strong family culture because during that time, Yes, we go over what we're doing that week and what's on the calendar, what's on the schedule, but also we get to talk about what our values are. We get to support each other. We get to, we do this thing where we have been doing it for years, but sometimes depending on if the kids, I guess, request it now, but we build someone up, you know, by telling them something nice that they've done or affirmations or something like that and then that child gets to dance around the table and we all cheer his name <laughs> so our two-year-old is so funny he loves it and we all cheer go Dax go Dax and everyone really gets into it so I just feel like those little things our kids are going to remember when they're older and also feel like we're not controlling their lives in the self-driven child they talk about how one of the main sources of stress in a child's life is not having control over it. But as parents, we often feel like what? We're supposed to be controlling <laughs> their life and, and making all the decisions for them. So obviously there's a fine balance. We do have boundaries, we set limits, but within that, uh, we allow them to make choices. And that's what the family meetings do. I mean, there's so many other things that family meetings do as well. Like we, <clears throat> Whenever I 
dive into these topics and to blog about them, I also try to look at what the brain benefits are and how and give you very practical tips. Uh, so a lot of the other skills, they learn listening skills, how to be respectful. It has proven that family meetings increase self-confidence and help kids have high self-esteem and they can use their voice. I don't know if you do this in your family. Uh, who runs your meetings? Um, usually my husband does. I mean, but we also let them, we have like a question answer time. If they oh, have questions, if the kids have questions or concerns, it's like their time during the week to, you know, have a sit down and address those things. Yeah. So what we also do is I, you know, have a family meeting agenda that I created, which you can get from the blog, but I, uh, we allow them to run the meeting too. And at first we have one child that's a little more shy and she has anxiety. And so he didn't want to at first. And then it's really cool to see him. I mean, what invaluable skills to learn how to run a meeting <laughs> at seven and nine than whenever, depending on, you know, whatever their job will be when they're older. So that's been really cool too, is allowing them to fully run the meeting. And then I don't feel like I'm constantly telling everyone what to do. <laughs> I tend to do that. Uh, and then also other things are, um, you know, it helps present and resolve issues and it teaches them conflict management, I think in a really safe environment. So I think that's also something very, very important and very needed <laughs> today. Yeah, for sure. And I love that tip of letting the kids run the meeting because I have a six-year-old and I have a nine-year-old and it's just, I mean, obviously they're older now and so they, they have lots of opinions and thoughts on their own about whatever, you know, so the, that's why the family meeting is so beneficial for our families because it's really, like you said, allowed them to have a voice and voice concerns if they have them or just, you know, talk about, you know, anything that they want to talk about. And so they really, that's why I think they look forward to it so much um, is because they kind of get to talk about the things that, you know, concern them. Yes. And we have a board in our kitchen. It's a dry erase board. I'm not big. I'm not like you. You have these beautiful decorations in your house. Cause I have just a little dry erase board in our, our kitchen. But they, anytime during the week, if something comes up, um, you know, now it's really cool that they're the ones saying, oh, I need to go put it on the board for the family meeting. They know we wait until that next Sunday to go over things. Same. We were camping this weekend and uh, my seven-year-old yesterday said, what's today? It's Monday. We didn't have our family meeting. <laughs> and, and so and even if like anything little, just last week, he wanted to sleep in a different room and it was right at bedtime and emotions were high and it was just like, well, you can put it on the board and we can talk about it for, you know, next week. And that eliminated any issues. It just shut it down instead of having to go through this long process of trying to switch rooms or beds or whatever. Yeah, and I think anytime you try to, like, change the family culture, like, they might not get it at first, or there might be resistance, but I I have found after you implement it and you do it, it changes the family culture, and they really start to look forward to it, and they really take ownership over it. Do you feel like you've found that, too? Oh, my goodness. We had so much resistance. It's probably mainly from another adult in the house. <laughs> there was just so much, you know, oh my gosh, another meeting and even that name meeting. So we started calling it Matt Damon. I don't know even how that came about, <laughs> but 
<laughs> instead of calling it a meeting, I mean, you can come up with any kind of name you want. I feel like that makes it feel not as fun. Uh, so yeah, those first couple months weren't as easy to get everyone together and trying to find a time when everyone was in good moods and you know, all that fun stuff. But now they want to have, they know that's when decisions are made. And we have a game too, and we make it fun. We usually do some kind of, you know, board game or something that we always play about. But consistency, just, you know, and I've talked to some other friends too. I have one friend who they do it during their little ones naps because it was just too much with the, you know, toddlers around. And it is their all business. It is 10 minutes in and out, but this is, they go over what, you know, things like screen time and, or whatever it may be for that week and that works really well for them. So you have to find what works well for you. Yeah, and I'll leave a link in the show notes to the printable that you have so people can go look at it and download it and use it as a guide uh, for their own family meetings. So if you guys haven't done family meetings, I encourage you to consider it and implement it into your, your family routine. Okay, you also talk a lot about emotional regulation, and this is something that I was clueless about, and you have educated me, so I would love for you to share with the listeners kind of what that is, what that, what does that mean? Well, emotional regulation is the ability to regulate your emotions and have (laughs) self-control, and kids, their brains just not developed to that's all in the prefrontal cortex and right now they're saying the prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until age 24 25 26 and the emotional parts of the brain which i found this very fascinating and now it makes sense why i cried so much in my 20s is (laughs) that the emotional parts don't develop until like 32 33 you don't have a fully fully developed brain until around then so I don't know for you if, if you so can do that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember having even meltdowns as like a 20 year old and my husband not knowing what to do with me. <laughs> and thankfully we're still together. Um, but yeah, it just totally makes sense of what now those things I don't get upset about. And if things don't go a certain way, I used to just melt down and I could not, no matter what I tried, I couldn't control my emotions. And so think about that with a child and such an underdeveloped brain. So, but as parents, we can come along and help them with that. And especially, it's so, I feel like very vital to do now as their brain's developing. So then they don't have to go back when they're adult and try to rewire those neural pathways that have created. Uh, And obviously, you know, trauma and things like that can dysregulate you even more. Um, so I just came across this term called emotion coaching and it's through the Gottman Institute, Dr. John Gottman. He wrote a book called Raising an Emotional, uh, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, The Heart of Parenting. And I would totally agree with that, uh, title. It's, It's really the heart of parenting. So there's five steps, and the first one is to be aware that there are emotions, and that emotions are healthy, and they're okay. Even me, I sometimes, if my kids are upset or angry, I want to shut it down. I want them just to be happy, and I realize, first of all, that's not my job, and second of all, that 
I just need to be aware that emotions are okay. Then the step two in emotion coaching is realize when a child is showing emotion, that's actually an opportunity to connect. I don't know. Do you feel that you want to connect with your child when you're screaming at you? No. <laughs> Not usually, right? <laughs> Sometimes I just want to walk away. <laughs> well, and that's good. If you can't connect, that's actually way, way more beneficial for their brain development is for you to walk away. And then when you're able to handle your emotions, you can return. But if you're able to keep it together, and this has taken me years to get to this point, I think to myself, I mean, I get a little probably overzealous, but I'm like, oh, he's screaming and throwing things at me. I'm ready to go in. <laughs> I'm ready to connect. I, I know, a little ridiculous, but it helps me. It helps me stay calm and realize that I call it hijacking. It might be something I've read. I don't know. Or maybe it's a term that I made up. But I feel like his brain literally, and I say his, I have one child that does have meltdowns, which are more than just a tantrum. He has some sensory things going on. He has sensory meltdowns, which can last up to an hour. And we haven't had one since May, so things are going well. But what I've realized, oh, I'm sorry. Where was I going with that? Uh, oh, hijacking. So I feel like his brain completely gets hijacked. And it, it happens, the amygdala, that's that fight, flight, freeze response that it just hijacks the whole brain and they can't think and they can't think clearly but sometimes we as parents feel like they can um, and so <clears throat> uh, so step three is help your child put a name to his or her emotions so this is really easy to do when you're reading I don't know do you do that when you read with your kids uh, you know there's characters well when it, you might not read with them as much now I'm a terrible reader <laughs> My husband was always like way better at that when our kids were like super toddlers and little. And so I would make him do like he reads Chronicles of Narnia to them. Like he's been reading that to them at night. And he like does all the kind of like character of what I'm, I'm so like a literal person. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to read this straight to you. Like it's so terrible. Well, an easy way. Is we all have our gifts. <laughs> we all have, hey, you can grow. Grow in this. <laughs> but an easy way is if you're reading a story or even if you're in Target and there's a baby screaming, you just hand label those emotions. So you label their own emotions too, especially with toddlers. I feel like this is so easy to do. Our toddler knows so many different emotions because we talk about them all the time. And even though he's barely, I mean, he speaks, but you know, he doesn't have a huge um, repertoire of <laughs> words yet. But even with that, he uh, can acknowledge if a baby's sad or angry or mad or if his brothers are mad. And that is a really, really good step to teaching your kids emotional intelligence. It, or say you're somewhere and there's adults that are irate, is to talk to your kids about that. How do you think they're feeling? And not tell them how they're feeling, but get them to answer that. How do you think they're feeling right now? What kind of emotions are expressing? How could they express that differently? And just start making them aware of emotions. And then with, with them as well, we're now to the point where I can talk to my son because his anxiety manifests as anger most of the time. Now it's starting to become sadness, but now we're to the point where before if I would talk about it, he would just get more angry. But now 
because we've been using those labels, he's able to say, you know, I just got angry. And that's huge, especially for some kids that just don't even realize that their emotions overtake them. Yeah. And then the fourth step of emotion coaching is to communicate empathy and understanding. So whenever they are upset, they're sad, they're angry, whatever their emotion may be, you know, if they're happy, communicate empathy with them. I got really good at saying, I see that you're angry, but then I would stop right there. Mm. A better way is I see that you're angry. You know, I used to get really upset when that happened to me too. And also you have to wait until they're in a teachable moment and they're not still flailing. So if they're still flailing, that means their prefrontal cortex is offline and you need to wait until it's connected. But whenever it is connected and they're able to communicate with you, so, so important that you help them feel understood because that's one of our needs, needs too. We just want to feel loved, safe, and understood. And the last step of the emotion coaching is setting limits and problem solving. I love this one. We're really getting, because our kids are getting older and they're able to come up with solutions, even in the past, I've tried to get them to come up with things and they're just like, oh, you know, and now they're coming, now that we're doing it more and more, they're coming up with different solutions. And it's so funny. They'll say, I'm trying to come up with a solution. I'm like, I know, but that solution's still not going to work. <laughs> but I love that they're at least acknowledging that you know, that's the next step. Or especially with meltdowns or anger, you know, immediately from zero to 60, my son will used to get so upset. And so now he's able to stop, pause, and say, okay, this really isn't a disaster or it's really not the end of the world what are solutions because we've been doing this so often. Uh, so and definitely have them come up with the solutions. If they can't come up with something, give them three options, four options. So ultimately they're still the ones choosing mm -hmm. you know, versus you telling them what the solution is. And that's hard sometimes for parents to do as well. And I love what you said about um, having kids identify their emotions. I've seen you do this with your kids. Um, you're pretty awesome at it. Um, and it's something I like watch and learn from you. But, oh, we went hiking. I was like, when did you see me? Yes. Um, and that's so true because, I mean, there are some adults that don't even know how to kind of articulate how they're feeling. And so if you can get right? kids trained to label their emotions and communicate how they feel, what whatever it is, whatever situation, I think it's so helpful. I think, um, so my daughter is nine and whether I like it or not, ready or not, here we are, we're entering this like weird prepubescent, like, and there has been like, we're going on like a couple years where her emotions, like, I mean, we're girls, we know how it is. Like her emotions are just so high and like everything that seems like to us as parents, like, this is not a big deal. Why are you upset? Or why are you freaking out about this? It's right. just, she's being hit right now with like, so all the feelings, you know, and all the thoughts about everything, you know? Sure, it and, is a big deal. And that's why this emotion, emotion coaching, I feel like has so much value because if you make her realize, hey, I do care, you know, even if you really can't understand <laughs> what she's upset about, if she just feels understood and feels like, you know, you understand a little bit, that's going to help her grow through that and learn from those emotions instead of shoving them down and then look what happens when we become adults. 
Because sometimes my husband and I, we just look at each other like, we're not even really sure what to do. And my husband's like, you're a girl, figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm a, I know I'm a girl, but like, this is new territory for me in motherhood, you know? So those are say, really good tips. Now you're going to tell him, well, her prefrontal cortex is offline right now. So <laughs> they'll be like, like, go deal with that. <laughs> go deal with that. And that's actually brought up something else too, is uh, in... Believe it is the whole brain child or no drama discipline with Dr. Tian Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. Love, love, love their books. But they talked about how even the phrase, you're okay. So, say a child falls and they're crying, and we as parents go over, we want them to feel like they're okay. So, we say, you're okay, you're okay. But it's so confusing to them because where they are developmentally, they're not okay. Mm-hmm. And then you're coming in saying, you're okay. And their brain's telling them, no, I'm not. And yes. so a better way is just, I see that you're hurt. That's it. You just, and so there's so many things in this, these emotions. They say your daughter is really upset about something. You just can say, I see you're upset about X, Y, Z. And just that one phrase or the reflective listening, you know, reflect back, say she's freaking out about something. You just repeat back to her what you heard. And that is going to go a long way with helping her process those emotions. And then as her brain develops and, you know, all the fun gray matter and white matter and I'm learning all about, I'm getting ready to read another book about the adolescent brain, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> um, but once, you know, her brain starts more fully developed, those neural pathways are already going to be there. Uh, so that's why I feel like this has so much value to it. Those are such good tips, and I love that you're so passionate about this, and this is why I wanted to have you on, because I learned so much, and I know that the listeners will, too. Oh, thank you. Just yesterday, I asked my husband, I said, for Christmas, can you give me a model of the brain? Like, <laughs> like what? I said, no, really. Like, I just want one, because I just love it so much. Well, I hope that he makes all your dreams come true this Christmas, <laughs> and you. Give you that brain model. Yes, me too. <laughs> awesome. I'll bring it to church and show you. Yes, bring it to the next Bible study. Um, what are like two, if you could pick like two parenting resources that you're loving right now that you would recommend to people, whether it's like a book or a podcast or a site or something? Well, I have lots of podcasts that I love. How to talk to kids about anything with Dr. Robin is I've learned so much through that podcast. There's another podcast called Family Looking Up and it's three moms and they're just hilarious, and then the content they have is really great, too, but if you want a good laugh podcast, so those two, I would say are my, I have a ton other, but (laughs) for sure, I've mentioned Dr. Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, their books are really good, and other than that, I, this just, again, this off the cuff, (laughs) I I have a hard time, I could have prepared with that, you'd be like, come on, I can't think of anything else. Uh, AHA Parenting with, what is her name? It's A-H-A, Laura Markham. She's really good too. She has some really good, great stuff. And she talks a lot about these kind of things as well. Family meetings, emotion coaching, just really connecting with your child. And that's kind of what my whole blog is about. Everything that I write about, even lists of games that you can buy on Amazon, it's all about connecting with Yeah, I love that. 
Okay, one of the last questions I always ask all my guests is who or what is helping you flourish right now in this season that you're in? Um, who's helping me flourish? I just did a, a Bible study. It was Monday nights, which was different for me. It was over the summer because a lot of times, you know, church Bible studies end. And we did a study called Walking Through Motherhood by Melissa B. Kruger. And the study was good, but just the friendships that we developed. Some of us knew each other beforehand, some didn't. And just getting together every Monday night, oh my goodness. And learning from each other and seeing how they were going through different seasons of motherhood and how they are delighting in the Lord. That really was, I feel like the main thing I got from that. So that has filled me up for sure. Just ended last week. <laughs> so sad. But that definitely has gotten me through a lot. And, and also I, I sometimes feel like with all this stuff that I read, it's so science heavy. So I want to make sure too, obviously, you know, I read my Bible, try to read my Bible every day, and I want to make sure it overlaps. And this Bible study for sure, so much of it, even just, you know, self-control. I mean, the Bible talks about self-control so much, and that's what all this is too. If we can control our own emotions, we're going to help our own child develop the, that self-control too, and that tenderness, and just how God views us. And so that's definitely my <laughs> that's awesome okay for those that um, want to connect with you after the episode where can everybody connect with you and find you online everything is raising kids with purpose so the website's raisingkidswithpurpose.com instagram is that handle and facebook is facebook.com slash raising kids with purpose all right, and I will leave links in the show notes to all of that and then the books that you mentioned and the Bible studies and different things. So if you're listening and- Sorry, name drop a lot. <laughs> that's all right. That you guys can go to the show notes and you guys can find all the links um, to everything Adrian talked about. Thank you, Adrian, for joining me for this episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. Yay, thank you so much. I am so honored and to be on and- Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much. But thank you so much, Andrea. And thank you for all you're doing with this podcast. It's really cool. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. If you have not yet given the show a rating and review, I would love it if you would take just a few seconds after the episode is over and go give us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help expose the show to other people. It helps boost our algorithm 